Well, this evening, we are going to continue with uh, the series on why, why serve or why lead. We were talking this morning about why do we serve or lead. And of course, leading meaning that we serve because that's what leadership is. It's not standing out in front uh, telling everybody else what's, what to do, but it's actually serving. And in our serving, we are an example to other people. And by doing that, we are actually leading because we show other people how to how to be like Christ how to be a follower of Christ a disciple of Christ but in us by serving you know it does the greatest thing it it changes us it roots us in character it roots us in the things of of God the fruits of the Holy Spirit because when we serve we're putting ourselves aside and we're allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to come through our life we're shoving uh, flesh aside and allowing him to mold our character and character is a huge thing because you could go out and you could you could do all the the wonderful power things that there are but if your character stinks no one's gonna pay attention to you because you're gonna be like a clanging symbol so character is huge that's why love is so important so we're going to continue this evening with why lead or why serve. Let me go through the, the first four that we, we mentioned this morning very quickly. Uh, why am I created or why do I serve? Number one, I am created and saved for service. I am created and saved for service. If God just wanted us to be uh, zapped to heaven as soon as we got saved, to make sure that we make it into heaven, he could do that. But he doesn't because we are created to serve for his kingdom. So we get saved and then we have a purpose. Then we have a, a mission, an accomplished mission that we're to be on, and that is to serve for his kingdom. That should give someone hope and inspiration this evening. Number two, you have special abilities and gifts. Each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Peter 4.10. You have special gifts and abilities. We're to serve one another. Number three, my church needs me. My church needs me. We talked about the body of Christ, the body of the the body that's in that's part of the church that you you wouldn't want to cut off a body part right because every part of your body is kind of important it all has a function it all has something important that it does for you and it's the same thing with the body of Christ every every person is important every person has something to offer and it's very instrumental and then when that one thing leaves or doesn't operate the rest of the body feels it when that person steps into their role then all of a sudden it makes the light loader and everybody feels it. It feels like everything's functioning the way that it should. But if it's missing, then you also feel it. So my church needs me. And number four, I am commanded to serve. I am commanded to serve. We are to do what Christ did. And he, he first served us. He came to serve us. He said, I did not come. To, for you to, to serve me, but I came to serve, and you're to follow my example. We are commanded. It's not a suggestion. Hallelujah. Commanded to serve. Praise the Lord. Not a great idea, but it's a suggestion. Or not a, not a suggestion, but a, great, but a great commandment that's given to us. You know, we were singing tonight. 
I, I, I live to worship. I live to worship you. And, you know, many times we think of that word worship as this is worship. But, you know, the word worship in the Bible is actually talking about the posture of us. And it's, it's because it would talk in the Old Testament about the priests would go into the tabernacle to worship the Lord and to minister unto him. They weren't going in and just, you know, with holy hands raised to him. What they were doing was serving him. When it said that they would go into worship, they were ministering. They were making sure that the candles were lit, that the, the, uh, the oil was continually being replenished, that the showbread was on the table, that everything was being done, all the activities, the, the sacrifices, and everything was being done. And many times we think that it's just the slow songs, worship songs, right, the slow songs, but that's not what it means. It's actually a posture of our heart and our service to the Lord. So when it says, I worship you, I live to worship you, we're actually a sacrificial being, being placed on the altar, and we are allowing ourselves to be a sacrifice for him to work through, that we are worshiping by serving him, which is where we're going to go next. Uh, number five, I owe everything to Christ. That's number five. I owe everything to Christ. And we're going to read Romans 12. Romans 12.1. It says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies. When we present something, that means only we can do it. If he's telling us that we have to present ourselves, someone else can't do that for us. He can't even do that for us. We have to present ourselves before him and say, Lord, I am available. I want to know what I can do. I want to serve you. I am presenting myself as a what? As a living sacrifice. That means that, that we are sacrificing something. And I think sometimes we always think that ministry is this, this uh, going to be this uh, major feeling that we get that just rushes in and causes us to, to be excited about it, whatever it is that we're going to do. And I'm going I'm to do ministry and we're just uh, operating by the Holy Spirit. But it's a living sacrifice. We're putting ourselves on the altar and saying, I sacrifice this part of my life, which means what? Time, resources, money, energy, whatever it may be. It is a sacrifice. We are sacrificing ourselves and putting ourselves on the altar and saying, Lord, I want to be holy and acceptable to you, which is what? Your reasonable service or your reasonable worship. Your reasonable worship. Again, not this, but I'm giving of my time to you. I'm giving my efforts, my energy, my resources. I'm giving of myself to you. It's our reasonable act of worship, our reasonable act of service. You know why? Because he bled and died for us. Jesus Christ came and gave all for us. And I think sometimes people think, well, I come to church. You're, you're not doing God a favor by coming to church. 
Coming to church is for you. It's for your benefit. We come to church because that's where we're discipled. That's where we learn. That's where we sharpen one another. That's where we grow together. That's where we make connections with family. That's where we come in and we present our offerings and we, we, we present our tithe and our offerings so that God's blessing comes upon us. It's the house of God that, that where we can come and meet together. This is for our benefit. And many, many people have that perception. Well, I, I checked in on Sunday. You know, I came and I, I went to church on Sunday. That's, that's not doing God a favor. That's not serving God. That's coming into the house of God and hopefully uh, being ready to receive what, what you need to do for him. Ready to uh, be, Lord, I, I want your word in my life. Transform me. Mold me today. Mold my heart. Let the word of God get sown into my heart and change me. Lord, correct me. Highlight anything that I need to grow in, that I need to be changed in. Father, put a grace upon my life to do more. That's what we, we are to do when we come into the house of God. But he has given all. He has given all to us. He didn't have to do that. He could have he said, you know what, you humans? <laughs> you have just messed it up, and that's just it. I'm, I'm just done. I'm just going to be here in heaven ruling the universe on my own, and I don't, I don't need you to mess it all up again. But he didn't. He wanted relationship with us. So much to the point that he sent his son to bridge that gap. He wanted you as sons and daughters. And so he sent his son. And he became the sacrifice. He was the one that, that purchased your redemption, that bought you back by his very blood. And that blood was perfection. That blood was what was shed to take you back out of the grips of hell, to take you back out of bondage and out of darkness and bring you into his glorious light for you to serve him, to serve his kingdom. Hallelujah. Without that, we would be entrapped in hell. We would, even at the end of this life, we would go to hell and that would be it. Weeping and gnashing of teeth a torturous eternity. But he loved us so much and what a relationship. And I want them back. I want restoration with my people, with my children. I'm sending my son to buy them back, to purchase their freedom. Without that, we have nothing, nothing. So we owe Christ everything. Our lives are not our own. And that's why even this morning I was starting to say, you know, there's a difference between Savior and Lord. Because a lot of people call him Lord, but they haven't really made him Lord of their life. They've only really made him Savior. Because Savior is the one that has saved them. But Lord is my master. Lord means I do what you say not what I want. Think about it. We, we've lost this concept in America because we don't, we don't operate that, that way here. We don't have uh, kings. We have a president. It's a, it's a, a Republican country. We, we 
have voting rights and we vote people in and all of that, but we don't have we don't have a a system of a monarchy. We don't have a system of of kingship and lords. And so we've lost that mentality of what that really truly means. You know, and and we look at 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 that as well that's just that's horrible to have a master and someone's a slave. But like I mentioned this morning, we're to be bond servants to God. We're to, to be a bond servant to Christ. That whatever he says and whatever he asks of us, we owe him that. We owe him that. We owe him everything about our lives. Without him, we are nothing and we have an eternity in hell. And, you know, I was thinking, how many times do we pray, God, give me? God, give me. God, I want. God, make this happen for my life. God, can you do this? God, do this. And, and that's really what a lot of people's prayer life consists of. God, do. God, and, and, and you know, it's a little backwards. I'm not saying God doesn't want to answer our prayers. He does. Because he says, if you will ask in faith for anything that's in my word, if you abide in me and I abide in you, and you ask of anything, then it will be yours. But how often do we go before him and say, God, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want from me? Because that's a true master-servant relationship. And we've made it into a gospel of God serves us. And we've got to come out of that mindset. Like I said, it's not that he doesn't want to answer your prayers. He does. Because he loves us. We're his children. But we've got to bring the other back in. We've got to bring the master bond servant relationship back into place. I owe everything to Christ. We have to have a mentality of I owe everything to Christ. And what he asks of me, I do. Number six. Serving gives my life meaning and purpose. Serving gives my life meaning and and purpose. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. The first one's out of Mark. Mark chapter 8. Thirty-four and thirty-five. It says, when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You know, God's kingdom is, is different than, than this world, the way we think. He says to give, and it will be given unto us. The world says to keep for yourself. That's how, that's how you uh, make things happen in your life. But God's system is different. He says if you want life, you've got to give of yourself. You've got to lay your life down and pick up my cross and follow me. See, God's system is different. We're to follow after him. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If we are constantly trying to save our own life and keep our own time for ourselves and keep our own resources for ourselves and keep our own uh, energy for ourselves and never give to God, 
then we're always going to run around trying to find meaning and purpose. See, meaning and purpose is not in serving ourselves. It is in serving him. And in that, we find purpose. Let me read another scripture out of John. John chapter 12, 24 through 26. Before I read that, I was, I was thinking back to a time when I was, I was younger. I was probably, well, I was in high school at the time. I don't even remember what I was going through and what, what was uh, causing me to, to be the way that I was. Probably just, I was a teenager. I don't know. But it was, it was all about, you know, what I was going through in my life and, you know, all of those things. And my mom had written me a letter and she left it in my room. And when I, when I got in there and I read it and it had, it had to do with, you know, Miranda, your happiness will only be whenever you choose to look outside of yourself and look at others and begin to give to other people. And that stuck with me because I realized that happiness and joy is not about me having everything that I want and me serving myself and me uh, trying to please myself. But it was about looking outside myself, choosing what was important in life, choosing what God was telling me to do, which was to look at others, to bring uh, him to other people, to bring joy to other people. And only then do we really truly find purpose and find, find the meaning of life. You know, when we serve other people, it gets our eyes off of ourself. You know, and we realize many times in doing that, that, Man, by the end of that, it's like you're uplifted because you've spent time talking to other people and, and you've, they've talked to you, you've poured into them, and it's like you've ministered. And, and whenever you minister to someone, man, it's like God's flowing through you so you can't help to feel better. When you minister to others, it's like you're the vessel, you're the pipeline to them. So how can you, how can the water run through the pipe but the pipe not get touched with water? You have to be touched as you're being uh, the vessel that that water is flowing through. So if you allow him to use you, you're going to get touched yourself. It's going to fill you up. If you go out and lead someone to the Lord, then it, it, there's just a joy that comes up. It just puts everything back into perspective. Man, that was so great to see that person today, and they came to the Lord. How exciting. Another person won to his kingdom. Praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, you get the eternal mindset instead of the well you know I I wanted I wanted a BLT for for lunch and and I didn't get that and I'm hungry and I'm grumpy and uh, like whatever it may be you know stupid things and then we're we're grumping over something and then all of a sudden we get our eyes off of ourselves and we see the big picture another soul one another person ministered to another person that that just by praying with them Help them through a situation. Brought joy into their life. An eternal gem, an eternal treasure was placed in them. And that, that thing of the earth grows strangely dim. John 12, 24. He says, most 
assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. The fruit to life, if we want fruit, we've got to die. We have to die. We die to self, and we live for him. We die to self, but we get fruit. We die to self, and he produces through us. Hallelujah. He who loves his life will lose it. Again, same, same verse. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Isn't that interesting? Where I am, there my servant will be also. Where I am, there my servant will be also. Remember how this morning I was saying when we serve, we're like waiting we're waiting for the instruction. We're waiting for the, for the command to see what the master needs, to see, you know, what the, what the person needs. We're, we're on deck. We're ready to go. What do you need? What is it that needs to happen? Yes, do you need more water? Do you need more this? Do you need a napkin? Do you need a fork? Do you, what do you need? I'll take that plate for you. You ready for dessert? You're like on deck, ready to go. The servant. And I was reading that scripture, and I thought, how many times has, has Jesus, you know, it says, where I am. How many times has Jesus been walking along, and, and there's a situation he wants to minister? And because he has to minister through us. You're his vessel. And he has to minister, and, and he gets to this place, and he sees so-and-so, and they need minister too. And he's like, yes, minister. And he turns around. Where's the servant? Where, I mu they must have stopped for coffee. They got lost. Where are they at? They're supposed to be following me. Where did they end up? They got off the trail somewhere. He says, where I am, my servant will be. And I thought, wow, we need to be paying attention more often. <laughs> you know, that we're not like off doing our own thing. Oh, you know, <laughs> rainbow. <laughs> and off chasing something that it, it's like, and Jesus is walking on, and he's like right here, and he turns around, and we're gone. We're off doing something else. We're like a, a child that gets distracted by lollipops or something. Where I am, my servant will also be. And then it says, if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Him my father will honor. If anyone serves me, and this, is, this doesn't mean anyone who's saved. Anyone who serves me, not gets saved. Anyone who serves me. See, we have to remember that sometimes we've got to stop and look at what words are being used. Because we'll oftentimes read this and just kind of in our mind apply like whatever, whatever we, word we want to. Well, that just means everybody that's saved. Anyone who serves me, him, my father, will honor. That means to place at high esteem, to make precious, to be like a, a, a treasured possession. Him, my father will honor. He'll make a treasured possession out of you. Now, this is interesting. Well, you know what? I want to hold on for that because, because that's going to be the last point. So just hold on to that thought, okay? Okay. 
let me let me switch this around. Let me go ahead and hit the last one because we're 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 there at that point. What's your number? Okay, number number seven. Serving brings the favor of God. Serving brings the favor of God. Turn over to Malachi three. Where's Don? Calls it Malacha, Malachi. The Italian prophet Malachi, is that what you call it? <laughs> Malachi 3, 17 and 18. It says, they will be mine says the Lord of hosts, on that day I will make them my jewels. Again, my treasured possession. The one that I esteem. The one that I hold in honor. In that day that I make them my, my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Not who saved, who serves him. And then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. You know, there's a promise in serving him. There are benefits in serving him. There is favor in serving him. Well, God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites in the sense that he doesn't show what, what that scripture's meaning is he doesn't show, show partiality, like he's going to give this person one thing and, and this person another based. The, the context of that particular scripture, he's talking about race. So he's not saying, you know what, I'm going to bring uh, this nation into um, salvation, but I'm not going to bring this nation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour the Holy Spirit out on this nation, but I'm not going to pour it out on this nation. He's talking about that. Partiality, like I'm going to show favor over here, but not favor here. What, he, what he's meaning in this particular scripture by favor is we can do things in life that will cause the favor of God to come upon us based upon what we do. Our service for God causes favor to come upon you. Is anybody excited about that? Because it excites me. Praise the Lord. When you, get a, when you get a promise like that, that means as I serve him, his favor comes upon me. He chases me down. Did you see what it said? And it says you'll be able to discern between the righteous and the wicked. You're going to see a tangible difference in my life. You're going to be, be able to see that God takes care of me. You're going to be able to see that he saves me. He delivers me. He keeps me safe. When the world is attacked by wickedness and by disease and by demonic things, he saves me. He delivers me because I serve him. Praise the Lord. Well, it makes me happy. Thank you, Jesus. That word serve, to labor, to work, to plow, to become a slave, to work for another. He will place value on you. You know, we were talking the other evening. Brother Don mentioned uh, the scripture in Psalms, where it talks about uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
and he says, you know, that word precious doesn't mean like, well, isn't that precious? Isn't that precious that they died? It, it's precious as in costly. There was value there. That means I lost something important. When they're missing, it shows. Precious. I want to be in a place where my life is precious to God. It's costly. Why? Because do you think... How do you treat your own precious things? How do you treat the things that are most precious to you? I mean, I'm sure Christine and Jesse, they've got four kids. They're, you know, that's probably pretty precious to them. They don't leave their kids at home and go, you know, guys, we're just going to church. You guys just sit here, take care of yourself for a little while, and, and, and we'll be back. No, they're precious. They bring them along. They're not going to leave them to fend for themselves and not take care of them and guard them and keep them safe. If you have an object that's precious, you keep it in a different place than a, an object that's not precious. You guard that thing. You make sure that it's treated differently. God looks at you as precious. When The more that you're doing for him, the more value he's going to place on your life. He's going to make sure that, that you are taken care of because you are, you are valuable. You are costly to him. Number seven. Number seven. I will be held accountable for my service. I will be held accountable for my service. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. There's various scriptures in the word of God that talks about we will be judged by what we have done, not the intentions of our heart, not what we thought was a great idea, not our brilliant minds, not, not how much scripture we knew, but by what we have done. What we have done. You see, there's more than just the book of, the book of life. The Bible in Revelation talks about the books were opened. And then the book of life was opened. It was a, an extra book. It's not the only book. The books were opened. The things that we do are recorded in heaven. The books were opened. What have you done for me? What did you do for my kingdom? Well, Lord, I, I got saved. Mm -hmm. And then what? And then what? Well, I... I showed up. I showed up for, for Sunday most of the time and on Easter and Christmas. <laughs> but what did you do for my kingdom? What did you do? Th those are, I'm not saying it to be, to, to be harsh. I'm saying it because you don't want to come to the end of your life and then find out. It's better to find out now. It's better to find out what the scripture says and then realize, okay, if I'm going to be judged for this, then I don't want to come to the end of my life. And, and then that's staring me in the face and going, uh, I, I just got saved and I, I, didn't, I didn't really do anything. I want you to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and say, I did this for you. In fact, what's better is that 
it's, all, it's already documented, and they're reading it to you. You did this. It's documented here that you did this, that you provided this, that you brought people into salvation, that you discipled these individuals, that you made sure that there were others that got to church, that you did, you did these things. You served other people. You loved other people. You forgave so-and-so when they were hurtful to you. You didn't allow that to, to keep you in bitterness, and you didn't allow. When you had an opportunity to stray, you did it. You stayed planted, and you stayed rooted, and you stayed in the house of God and allowed the Lord to take care of that situation. It's documented right here. The things that we do do not go unseen. So that's why we want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Hallelujah. Judgment day is not just about asking if we got saved. We are judged by what we do, which means we have to keep our eyes on our creator, not on people. Because when, when, when we go through life group training and we're read, leading a life group and only two people show up out of the ten, then you keep your eyes on your creator. And you pour into those two like you would have poured into those ten. And you love the one just like you would have loved this one over here even though this one's hard to get along with. <laughs> See, there's, there's things that God watches and sees in our hearts. Those are opportunities for promotion from the Lord. And if we keep our eyes on him, I'm doing this for God. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this for, for so-and-so who's being a jerk. I'm loving him because I'm doing it for God. Therefore, I can do it. Because my reward comes from him. It doesn't come from this guy here. If I'm looking at him for my reward, it's not going to come. I'm doing it for God because I owe him everything. I'm doing it for him. He is my rewarder. And when you do that, then you can continue to keep going. You can continue to, to, to serve in that role without the discouragement, without getting frustrated, without someone, you know, uh, upsetting your world and you being like, why am I leading this ministry? What's the point? Because I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for him and I'm staying faithful. And as he has asked me to do this, I am going to remain faithful. I am going to continue to do what he's asked me to do. That's, that's what we want to see when we stand in front of God the Father. You know, there was another pastor. I don't know if I shared this this morning. I can't remember everything that I, I shared this morning. But there was a, another pastor that, that shared something on social media uh, the last couple days, and it said that your child will have 0.0296-something percent of making it into the pro-athletes but your child will 100% stand in front of Jesus. We will be held accountable for the example we set, for the decisions that we make, for the service that we provide for the kingdom, kingdom purpose. I'm not serving just to serve the person. I'm serving his kingdom. I'm serving his kingdom. Even the smallest things we do, we are an example to our children. 
They are watching us. They are watching whenever we make God first and not our job and not our our sports and not our you know well uh, you know football's on the night. I'm not I'm not going I'm not going to do that. What's that say? What's it communicating to our kids? But when they say God was always first in our house, it wasn't just a a church thing when we went. Like, God was in our house. Our parents prayed. If we got sick, they prayed. When we ate, we prayed. When there was something going on, we prayed. When someone hurt my family, we prayed for them. There were, there were things that happened. We prayed, and we worshiped, and we kept God's statutes in our home. My parents were, were examples of God before me. When we do that, our service is also being applied at home because your children are watching. Number nine, nine. I will be rewarded for my service in eternity. I will be rewarded for my service in eternity. You know, he rewards us now, too. But it's, it's not going to compare <laughs> to eternity's rewards. Matthew 25. I'm going to read through the parable of talents, starting at verse 14. This is the last one. This is, we're wrapping it up with this. For the kingdom of heaven, chapter 25, 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He came and settled accounts with them. It was his money. It wasn't the servant's money. It was the Lord's money. And he's given it to them in saying to, to make this work. Occupy until I return. Gain interest. Invest. Invest your talent. Invest your ability. He gave to each one as, he, as his own ability. And so he's returning to settle accounts. Not, not because he's returning and say, well, what did you do with your money? No, what did you do with what I gave you? Settling accounts. Man, that'll, that'll put some things into perspective. When God returns and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. And he returns and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you these abilities. I gave you these things in your possession. What did you do with them? Where did you place them? Did you use them all on you? Did you share them? Did you invest them for the kingdom? So he, verse 20, who had received five talents came and brought the other five talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. 
And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were to be a, you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. It didn't do any good. That ability, that talent, that, that possession that he placed in the steward's hands to steward over, he said, oh, I'm returning it just like you gave it to me. Bright and shiny as the day you gave it to me. But it didn't do any good. It didn't do anything for the kingdom. I'm giving it right back to you, Lord. What does the Lord say? But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. That's a hard truth right there. He didn't say you wicked and lazy, unreligious, backslider person that never got saved. He called him a servant, someone that was supposed to be serving him and wasn't. Wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back, to my, back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a hard truth, isn't it? But I'd rather see it now than later. He expects us to produce with what he has given us. Our talent, our energies, the things that he has given into our life, he expects when he returns a product to show. How did you invest it? Not everything is going to be, not everybody is going to do discipleship, even though there should be somebody in your life that you're ministering to. But what I'm saying is not everybody's going to lead a life group. I understand that. Not everybody's going to preach from the pulpit. I understand that. But there are those that, that help keep the church clean. There are those that give into the, the ministry of outreaches. There are those with their finances that they make things happen where somebody that may have the ability to preach, they don't necessarily have the finances to go get the speaker, to go get the platform, to go out into the streets, but they're willing to go, but how can they go unless they are sent? The whole body is needed. Every person is needed. But God is calling us to leave a legacy. 
He is calling us to make a deposit. He's calling us to invest into his kingdom. Somehow, our talents and our abilities need to be attached to the kingdom. Even a, a great business owner, they may never be called to preach, but if they are a great business owner and that's what God has called them to do and they multiply and they are very successful with what they do and they have the finances, they should fund the kingdom. We all have a part to play. By them doing that, they're playing their part. The key is finding your place in the body. Finding your place in what he's called you to do. You know, many, many years ago, it was interesting this morning because there was a, a young lady sitting right here behind Melanie. I'm calling her young because she's the same age as me. She was a classmate of mine. We graduated together. She just recently moved up into the area. And she was here Wednesday evening. Surprised me, I had no idea she was coming. And we went to school together, we were friends through, from the time about third, fourth grade. Her parents never, never went to church. But someone had invested in her years ago. Someone had went and picked her up at her house every Sunday, brought her to church. Someone had Bible study at their home and sold the word of God and taught her Bible stories all the way through high school, all the way through middle school. That someone was my mom. And it was interesting this morning that they were both here. And they didn't even realize at first that, that they were here until after service and then they saw each other because they haven't seen each other in years. But she would have never been there if she hadn't been invested in years ago. Because she would have never had seeds planted in her to have a desire to want to come to church. Her parents didn't take her to church. The only seed she had planted in her was pretty much what my mom had sown into her. Leaving a legacy, even if that means taking the time Pretty much what my mom did is held a life group in her home for a bunch of uh, loud middle school kids that really just came there because they got to fellowship and eat chocolate chip cookies every, every Wednesday. And she would teach them the Bible, and she would teach them the Old Testament, and she would teach them, you know, all of these stories and, and all of the books of the Bible and, and who begat who and <laughs> all, of, all of the things in the Bible. And she was learning a lot of her, uh, herself at the time. But she was investing and sewing into these kids all the way through high school. And the fruit is still there today. Sometimes what we're doing, we don't always see what's coming or what's going to come out of it 20 years later. But it's, it's the choice that we make today to plant, to invest. That was the talent in that season of her life to invest in a group of 10, 12 kids. And every Sunday she would drive all over Harrisville to Ellenborough picking people up. Had a van, the whole vehicle filled with, with teenagers taking them to church. 
because none of their parents went. But it was something that she could do, and God laid it on her heart, and she chose to do it, and she invested in the kingdom. It's not always going to be the typical greeter, usher. Those things are important. The things that we handed out this morning, the, the, the papers that we handed out, yes, these are areas that we want people to serve in. But if God is also speaking on your heart, come talk to us. There are ways to implement things, to be able to tie it back to the church. It's important that it's tied back to the church because they've got to have a foundation of the house of God in their life. The reason she knew to come to church was because she was tied to a church when she was younger. Well, she just recently moved up in the area. And so she looked us up and came to the house of God. That's what I desire for each and every person. You will make an impact, and you don't always know what seeds you're planting and what fruit's going to come. But if you will do it in faith, and you pray over that seed, and you pray over the harvest, and you make your life tied to the kingdom of God, you're going to see a harvest. You're going to see mighty things happen for God, and you will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He said, you're faithful with the few. I will make you ruler over much. You were faithful with the little that I gave you. I will make you ruler over much. See, there's more to eternity than floating around on clouds. There's ruleship. There's reigning. But most people don't understand that, so they think they're just living this life. All I have to do is get saved, and that's it. There's more to it on the other side. There's ruling and there's reigning. There's rewards. There's things that he's going to give us. There's a banquet. There's a feast. There, there's a rewards that he wants to give those that have honored and served him diligently. I hope that sparks something in you. It's not, it's not because you're desiring to serve Pastor Brad. It's not because you're desiring to serve man. But your eyes have to be on God because if it's on man, you'll be disappointed. Because man will never be able to give you the encouragement every time you need it. They'll never be able to give you the, they'll never be able to bring everybody. I remember when we were, we were um, leading youth and we were preparing and, and then there would be two that showed up. Or, you know, you're like, where's everybody at? But you just, you pour into those two. You pour into the ones that are in front of you. You pour in and you invest because those two may be the ones that make a mighty change later on. Those two may be the ones that go off into ministry later on and make a huge impact. You don't know. But not only that, but it gives you practice now because God's developing you. He's molding you to do more in his kingdom because it's, you're not to be stationary. You're not to just be where you're at now. You're to grow and to advance in the kingdom of God. Amen.